0: Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, slow, quiet stories to help you fall asleep. I hope you guys liked the meditation I put out as a bonus episode this week. If you did, let me know. And if you didn't, let me know that too. I'm going to be adding those only as bonus episodes, and there'll still be a story every week. This week's story comes by request from Mary, the latest Patreon subscriber. Thank you so much, Mary, for signing up for the Patreon. She sent me a message there saying that the fairy stories and the Viking stories are her favorites. So this week, we're going to continue In the Days of Giants, a book of Norse tales, with the story that comes after the Dwarf's Gifts. The Patreon is a great way to make a request. You can also email me at erik, E-R-I-K, at listentosleep.com. The Patreon is $1 a month, and for that, you get the podcast a day early, on Fridays instead of Saturdays, and you're helping me live my dream of being a storyteller for a living. There's also a bunch of other stuff there to help you sleep, like nature sounds I recorded here at my cabin, over 10 hours of those and a bunch of short stories that I recorded, especially for kids, called Sleepy Shorts. You can get more information about all of that at patreon.com slash listen to sleep. And there's a link in the show notes. Okay, let's take a deep breath. And let it out. feel yourself lying in your bed? Do you feel where the mattress is touching your back or your side? Just allow yourself to feel what it feels like to be letting go of the day and here in bed, ready to go to sleep. there's something you're grateful for that happened today I like to think of something I'm grateful for every night before I go to bed if you can't think of anything right now that's fine just let yourself breathe in and out In and out. As you're breathing and listening to the story, check in with how your body feels. If you notice any tension, put your attention on that spot and allow it to soften and relax. If you start to nod off while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Loki's Children Red Loki, the wickedest of all the Aesir, had done something of which he was very much ashamed. He had married a giantess, the ugliest, fiercest, most dreadful giantess that ever lived. And of course, he wanted no one to find out what he had done. For he knew that Father Odin would be indignant with him for having wedded one of the enemies of the Asir, and that none of his brothers would be grateful to him for giving them a sister-in-law so hideous. But at last, all father found out the secret that Loki had been hiding for years. Worst of all, he found that Loki and the giantess had three ugly children hidden away in the dark places of the earth. Three children of whom Loki was even more ashamed than of their mother, though he loved them too. For two of them were the most terrible monsters which time had ever seen. Hella, his daughter, was the least ugly of the three, though one could scarcely call her attractive. She was half dark and half light, which must have looked very strange and she was not easily mistaken by anyone who chanced to see her, as you can well understand. She was fierce and grim to see, and the very sight of her caused terror and death to him who gazed upon her. But the other two. One was an enormous wolf with long, fierce teeth, and flashing red eyes. And the other was a scaly, slimy, horrible serpent, huger than any serpent that ever lived, and a hundred times more ferocious. Can you wonder that Loki was ashamed of such children as these? The wonder is, how he could find anything about them to love. But Loki's heart loved evil in secret. And it was the evil in these three children of his which made them so ugly. Now, when Odin discovered that three such monsters had been living in the world without his knowledge, he was both angry and anxious for he knew that these children of mischievous Loki and his wicked giantess wife were dangerous to the peace of Asgard. He consulted the Norns, the three wise maidens who lived beside the Urdar well, and who could see into the future to tell what things were to happen in coming years. And they bade him beware of Loki's children. They told him that the three monsters would bring great sorrow upon Asgard, for the giantess, their mother, would teach them all her hatred of Odin's race, while they would have their father's sly wisdom to help them in all mischief. So Odin knew that his fears had warned him truly. Something must be done to prevent the dangers which threatened Asgard. Something must be done to keep the three out of mischief. Father Odin sent for all the gods and bade them go forth over the world, find the children of Loki in the secret places where they were hidden, and bring them to him. Then the Asir mounted their horses and set out on their difficult errand. They scoured Asgard, Midgard, the world of men, Utgard, and Jotunheim, where the giants lived. And, at last, they found the three horrible creatures hiding in their mother's cave. They dragged them forth and took them up to Asgard, before Odin's high throne. Now, all-father had been considering what should be done with these three monsters, and when they came, his mind was made up. Hella, the daughter, was less evil than the other two, but her face was dark and gloomy, and she brought death to those who looked upon her. She must be prisoned out of sight in some far place where her sad eyes could not look sorrow into men's lives and death into their hearts. So he sent her down, down into the dark, cold land of Niflheim, which lay below one root of the great tree Yggdrasil. Here she must live forever and ever, and because she was not wholly bad Odin made her queen of that land, and for her subjects she was to have all the folk who died upon the earth, except the heroes who perished in battle, for these the Valkyries carried straight to Valhalla in Asgard. But all who died of sickness or of old age, all who met their deaths through accident or men's cruelty, were sent Queen Hela, who gave them lodgings in her gloomy palace. Vast was her kingdom, huge as nine worlds, and it was surrounded by a high wall, so that no one who had once gone thither could ever return. And here, thenceforth, Loki's daughter reigned among the shadows, herself half-shadow And half light, half good, and half bad. But the Midgard serpent was a more dangerous beast even than death. Odin frowned when he looked upon this monster writhing before his throne. He seized the scaly length in his mighty arms and hurled it forth over the wall of Asgard. Down, down went the great serpent, twisting and twirling as he fell, while all the sky was black with the smoke from his nostrils, and the sound of his hissing made every creature tremble. Down, down he fell with a great splash into the deep ocean, which surrounded the world. There... He lay writhing and squirming, growing always larger and larger, until he was so huge that he stretched like a ring about the whole earth, with his tail in his mouth and his wicked eyes glaring up through the water towards Asgard, which he hated. Sometimes he heaved himself up, great body and all, trying to escape from the ocean which was his prison. At those times there were great waves in the sea, snow and stormy winds and rain upon the earth, and everyone would be filled with fear lest he escape and bring horrors to pass. But he was never able to drag out his whole hideous length, for the evil in him, had grown with his growth, and a weight of evil is the heaviest of all things to lift. The third monster was the Fenris Wolf, and this was the most dreadful of the three. He was so terrible that at first Father Odin decided not to let him out of his sight. He lived in Asgard then, among the Aesir. Only Tyr the brave had courage enough to give him food. Day by day he grew huger and huger, fiercer and fiercer. And finally, when Father saw how mighty he had become and how he bid fair to bring destruction upon all Asgard, If he were allowed to prowl and growl about as he saw fit, Odin resolved to have the beast chained up. The Asir then went to their smithies and forged a long, strong chain, which they thought no living creature could break. They took it to the wolf to try its strength, and he, looking sidewise, chuckled to himself, and let them do what they would with him. But as soon as he stretched himself, the chain burst into a thousand pieces, as if it were made of twine. Then the Aesir hurried away and made another chain, far, far stronger than the first. If you can break this, O Fenrir, they said, you will be famous indeed. Again, the wolf blinked at his chain. Again, he chuckled, and let them fasten him without a struggle, for he knew that his own strength had been increased since he broke the other. But as soon as the chain was fastened, he shook his great shoulders, kicked his mighty legs, and snap! The links of the chain went whirling far and wide, and once more the fierce beast was free. Then the Aesir were alarmed for fear that they would never be able to make a chain mighty enough to hold the wolf, who was growing stronger every minute. But they sent Skirnir, Frey's trusty messenger, to the land of the dwarves for help. Make us a chain, was the message he bore from the Asir? Make us a chain stronger than any chain that was ever forged, for the Fenris wolf must be captured and bound, or all the world must pay the penalty. The dwarves were the finest workmen in the world, as the Asir knew, for it was they who made Thor's hammer, and Odin's spear, and Balder's famous ship, besides many other wondrous things that you remember. So when Skirnir gave them the message, they set to work with their little hammers and anvils, and before long they had welded a wonderful chain, such as no man had ever seen before. Strange things went to the making of it, the sound of a cat's footsteps, the roots of a mountain, a bear's sinews, a fish's breath, and other magic materials that only the dwarves knew how to put together, and the result was a chain as soft and twistable as a silken cord, but stronger than an iron cable. With this chain, Skirnir galloped back to Asgard, and with it, the gods were sure of chaining Fenrir. But they meant to go about the business slyly, so that the wolf should not suspect the danger which was so near. Oh, Fenrir, they cried, here is a new chain for you. Do you think you can snap this as easily as you did the last? We warn you that it is stronger than it looks. They handed it about from one to another, each trying to break the links, but in vain. The wolf watched them disdainfully. Pooh, there is little honor in breaking a thread so slender, he said. I know that I could snap it with one bite of my big teeth. But there may be some trick about it. I will not let it bind my feet, not I. Oh, cried the Aesir. He is afraid. He fears that we shall bind him in cords that he cannot loose. But see how slender the chain is. Surely, if you could burst the chain of iron, oh Fenrir you could break this far more easily. Still, the wolf shook his head and refused to let them fasten him, suspecting some trick. But even if you find that you cannot break our chain, they said, you need not be afraid. We shall set you free again. Set me free, growled the wolf. Yes, you will set me free at the end of the world not before. I know your ways, O Asir, and if you are able to bind me so fast that I cannot free myself, I shall wait long to have the chain made loose. But no one shall call me coward. If one of you will place his hand in my mouth and hold it there while the others bind me, I will let the chain be fastened." The gods looked at one another, their mouths drooping. Who would do this thing and bear the fury of the angry wolf when he should find himself tricked and captured? Yet this was their only chance to bind the monster and protect Asgard from danger. At last, bold Tyr stepped forward the bravest of all the Aesir. Open your mouth, Fenrir, he cried with a laugh. I will pledge my hand to the trial. Then the wolf yawned his great jaws and Tear thrust in his good right hand, knowing full well that he was to lose it in the game. The Aesir stepped up With the dwarves' magic chain And Fenrir let them fasten it about his feet But when the bonds were drawn tight He began to struggle And the more he tugged The tighter drew the chain So that he soon saw himself to be entrapped Then how he writhed and kicked Howled and growled In his terrible rage how the heavens trembled and the earth shook below. The assir began to laugh to see him so helpless, all except Tyr, for at the first sound of laughter the wolf shut his great mouth with a click, and poor brave Tear had lost the right hand which had done so many heroic deeds in battle and which would never again wave sword before the warriors whom he loved and would help to win the victory. But great was the honor which he had won that day, for without his generous deed, the Fenris wolf could never have been captured. And now the monster was safely secured by the strong chain which the dwarves had made, and all his struggles to be free were in vain, for they only bound the silken rope all the tighter. The Æsir took one end of the chain and fastened it through a big rock, which they planted far down in the earth, as far as they could drive it with a huge hammer of stone. Into the wolf's great mouth they thrust a sword crosswise, so that the hilt pierced his lower jaw. While the point stuck through the upper one. And there in the heart of the world he lay howling and growling, but quite unable to move. Only the foam which dripped from his angry jaws trickled away and over the earth until it formed a mighty river. From his wicked mouth also came smoke and fire, and the sound of his horrible growls. And when men hear this and see this, they run away as fast as they can, for they know danger still lurks near where the Fenris wolf lies chained in the depths of the earth, and here he will lie until Ragnarok. Until the end Of all things, good night.